helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Life Transformation Show. The title of today's show is Victory Over Depression. Yes, and this is a very timely topic indeed, especially with the recent passing of the Bell Let's Talk Mental Health Day. Did you know that Charles Spurgeon struggled with depression? Yes, the prince of preachers, the man that so many modern-day preachers try to emulate, had very bad bouts of depression, to the point where he sometimes had suicidal thoughts. Spurgeon once wrote, I could say with Job, my soul chooseth strangling rather than life. I could readily enough have laid violent hands upon myself to escape from my misery of spirit. So here we have Charles Spurgeon having suicidal thoughts, saying that at times he could do violence to himself. I find it ironic that many modern-day preachers who preach that a true believer should never be depressed also hold Charles Spurgeon in high regard. It should not be shocking that Spurgeon suffered from depression. He was the greatest of preachers, but he was also a mere human being. Spurgeon also had many physical ailments and tragedies that affected him greatly. In one incident, we are told that a pranker at his church one Sunday, when his church was filled to capacity, for those of you who don't know, Spurgeon had a very successful ministry. His church on Sunday mornings were said to be so packed with hundreds or thousands of people to the point where the members of the congregation had to give up their seat to visitors. And so in one of these Sunday morning service, when the church was packed to capacity, a pranker yelled, fire, fire, causing a stampede that killed seven people. In speaking of how the incident affected Spurgeon, his wife Susanna wrote, My beloved anguish was so deep and violent that reason seemed to totter in her throne, and we sometimes feared that he would never preach again. So here we have Charles Spurgeon's wife saying that, This man of God, this mighty man of God, this stalwart of the Christian faith, was so affected by this trauma that killed seven people in his church that she feared that he would never preach again. As an aside, let me say that I just like the the use of the language of the 18th century. Charles Spurgeon lived uh, in the 1800s. And his wife, in writing, I like the way she painted that picture of how he felt when 
she said that reason seemed to totter on her throne. That's such an eloquent way of saying that Spurgeon had lost all sense of reasoning and the ability to be rational. Reason was tottering on the throne. I find that very, very amusing the way she put that. But let me get back uh, to the point. The point is that Spurgeon, this mighty man of God, suffered from depression. He had suicide ideation, as we would say, in the counseling field. And in today's show, I will be using the acronym COMAS, COMAS, to talk about five thinking patterns that you should avoid to prevent yourself from becoming depressed or sinking deeper into depression. Cutting these five thinking patterns from your life will make you a happier person and far less likely to be depressed. These five ways of thinking are targeted by cognitive behavior therapists like myself when we treat clients for depression. I will also close by giving some points on how to overcome these five thinking Patterns and as I go through this uh, this uh, podcast today, I will be referring to First Kings nineteen and Second Samuel chapter nine as a way of illustrating these five points. The C in the acronym is for catastrophizing. People who are depressed have this tendency to catastrophize. Catastrophizing is defined as the negative consequence of events or decisions that people have are viewed in a more extreme way. So, in other words, they make a catastrophe of the event. These events might well be serious events or upsetting events, but when someone catastrophizes an event, they take it to the extreme point in a way that makes them anxious and more depressed. And so here is an example of catastrophizing from the story of Elijah. Elijah had this experience where he had just had this victory on Mount Carmel where he overcame the prophet single-handedly with the help of God overcame the prophets of Baal. And then he was threatened by Ahab's wife, Jezebel. And as a result of that threat, we are told that Elijah, the great man of God, came to this point where he said, I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Think about that. Elijah came to this place where he catastrophized the situation on the entire planet to mean that he was the only servant of God remaining and that every other person who served God was already killed or put to death. In other words, he believed that the entire future of God's plan was resting on him, and he was the 
only one left and God's plan was about to fail totally because now Jezebel was about to kill him. Baal worship might have still been in existence. Jezebel might have still been ruling her husband's kingdom. Baal worshippers might have still existed. But Elijah was not the only servant of God remaining. As a matter of fact, if you read 1 Kings 19, when God challenged Elijah's thinking, his catastrophic way of, of thinking, God said to him, I have 7,000 others like yourself who have not bowed their knees to Baal. So he was making this catastrophe out of this situation. And I think a lot of times today when we have hardships, we tend to catastrophize the hardships and exaggerate instead of seeing them in a rational way. And so this, this situation that Elijah found him, himself in could be looked at in three ways that we find ourselves in today. Three situations that cause stress for a lot of people today. Number one, it could be seen as a failed spiritual venture. Maybe a ministry that you have started and that ministry is falling apart. Maybe it's a church plant and it's falling apart. Elijah felt that this whole entire ministry was falling apart. It may have been a failed business venture because Elijah dedicated his soul and his heart to the purpose of, of stomping out Baal worship and felt that this venture that he was on is falling apart. Or it could be looked at as oppression by those in authority because Jezebel and Ahab wanted to kill him. And so when you find yourself in any of those three situations, sometimes the, the tendency might be to catastrophize. And so it's important to look at the facts of the situation, and I'm going to give more tips at the end about how to overcome this, but catastrophizing means that you're taking your eyes off the, the reality of the situation and looking at it in a more emotional way. But what you need to do instead is to assess the evidence to see what exactly are you dealing with. The O in the acronym is for overgeneralization. And by overgeneralization, I mean People, the definition could be drawing very broad conclusions from negative comments or situations. Yes, the situations may be distressing or serious, but does not warrant the broad inference that is drawn from it. And so we find an example of overgeneralization in Second Samuel chapter 9, verse 8, where the grandson of King Saul, who was crippled, was paralyzed in both legs, as the, as the scripture says, that he was a paralyzed man in both feet, we find that Mephibosheth gives us an example of, of what overgeneralization is when he referred to himself in Second Samuel chapter 9, verse 8, as 
a dead dog. When he said, I am worth no more than a dead dog. Yes, he may have been crippled. Yes, his father may have been killed in the war. Yes, his grandfather's uh, kingdom might have come to an end. But Mephibosheth was still worth more than a dead dog. Those tragedies, the fact that he suffered this unfortunate accident when he was five years old and became crippled, does not merit him calling himself a dead dog. And so what he's doing is looking at his tragedy, his, his tragedies in his life, and he's looking at his failure, his ability not to do things that men in those days found their worth in. And he's saying, I am worth nothing. I am a dead dog. Let me say today, if you're in a situation where you are overgeneralizing because of your failures and you're seeing yourself as nothing, let me challenge that thinking today to say that you're more than what you can do. You're more than what you own or possess. You are more than the failures that you have had in your life. So you may have quit a program of study and because you have failed one course. And failing that one course made you generalize to feel, I am a failure. I can't do this. And so you have quit that program of study. Or maybe you felt like a failure because you didn't succeed at a business venture. Let me say that you don't have to overgeneralize. I want you to get to this point where you can isolate that incident and say, I failed in this thing, in this area of my life, but I am not a failure. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Live Transformation Show and today Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services has been giving us hope with this topic of victory over depression. This is such a timely topic and I hope we are all feeling more hopeful. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Your donations help us to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those who can't afford it. Back to Michael. One of the most successful men uh, of our time, Harlan Saunders, the founder of Kentucky Fried Chicken, failed 1,009 times before he succeeded. He had this recipe that he was taking around from house to house, from restaurants to restaurants in his neighborhood. And when no one wanted to to partner with him to start this business of Kentucky uh, fried chicken, he started traveling the country and started going to different restaurants and cooking this fried chicken for different people. And he heard 1,009 no's before he heard a yes. What if he had this knee-jerk reaction after the first few no's and said to himself, I am a failure. My recipe is no good. 
he would have never known the success that he that that he's now known for so when you're faced with situation when you're faced with adverse situation think more about what god says that you are in him than what you feel about that negative situation also a knee jerk reaction for example of a wife who has been cheated on could feel i am a, i am not a good enough woman or i am lacking something as a woman but let me say to you that just because you are cheated on do not over generalize this to define your self worth just because your husband views porn and and is addicted to porn and neglects you in his addiction doesn't mean that you are not attractive enough and that you are not good enough and that you are a failure as a woman do not overgeneralize do not overgeneralize when you fail in your desire to do godly things when you sin because just because you sin just because you fail doesn't mean that you're an awful person and the m in the acronym is for mind reading people who become depressed have this tendency to feel that they can tell what others are thinking even though the, the other person have said nothing to indicate or suggest what they assume so we have this incident with mephibosheth where mephibosheth who when his father in in second samuel chapter 9 when his father died and his grandfather died his father jonathan and his grandfather king saul was killed in battle and he became crippled as a result of an accident that he started living in this place called Lodabar and it's this place that was considered to be a desert like region and the name of Fibosheth sort of indicate that he had some kind of breathing problem maybe he had covid well i'm just kidding i know covid didn't exist at that time but he had some kind of a resp- respiratory uh, illness and so he's living in this desert place in hiding because he assumed that he knew what was going on in king david's mind king david the king is going to look for as the custom was in those days he's going to look for all the the the, the all the children of the our grandchildren of the past king and he's going to kill them all because the of the fact that they would be a threat to his throne so here we have mephibosheth crippled hiding because he thought he was a threat to king david he thought he could read what was going on in king david's mind so when king david summoned for mephibosheth and he came before king david king david said to him in second samuel chapter 9 verse 7 don't be afraid i'll be kind to you because jonathan was your father I am going to give you back the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul. Besides that, you will always eat with me at my table. So think how many years this man Mephibosheth has been in hiding in this desert place with his respiratory condition, 
hiding, suffering because of a mind-reading, false way of thinking, assuming that he was in danger, when in fact King David was looking for him to exalt him. And so many of us, because of our mind reading, we assume the worst about others when others might be thinking highly of us. So maybe your boss has called, has said to you, I'd like to meet with you uh, next week, and you're assuming that you're going to be fired, but you might get a promotion. And so many people have not gone back to work because of this fear. I know I'm going to be fired when, in fact, they were in line for a promotion. And sometimes people think they can mind read and they become very jealous of their partner because just because my partner looks in a certain direction, I know what's going through his mind. He must be lusting at that person. Or just because he's talking to that attractive woman in the church pew, I know that there must be something evil going on in that conversation, even though you can't hear what they're talking about. And so this kind of mind reading leads to Anxiety leads to stress and ill health. The A is for all or nothing thinking. And so in all or nothing thinking, we feel that something is a failure if we if it does not turn out perfectly. Example, viewing something as a failure, for example, an exam as a failure because you got 95%. 95%. And you are just hyper-focused on that 5% that you didn't get because you made a simple mistake and you could have gotten that 100 and that's all you you obsess over. Another example of that is that your boyfriend didn't call one night and the entire relationship now seems like a disaster or like it's going to come to an end because why didn't he call? And so we see an example of overgeneralization in the story of Elijah and Mount Carmel in First Samuel, sorry, First uh, Kings chapter nineteen. And the overgeneralization is that Elijah overlooked the great victory on Mount Carmel over the prophets of Baal because he didn't, in the, because he didn't eradicate Baal worship. And Jezebel was still a threat. He failed to to think that he was a success, even though he had a great victory, because Jezebel was still a threat. So that is the, a kind of that is what is all or an example of all or nothing thinking. I had this great victory, and so Baal worship should be wiped out, and so we started losing hope. And so I think when we become guilty of all or nothing thinking, we overlook a lot of positive things in our lives and we become focused on what is not going well and that defines how we feel. And the S is for selective abstraction. The acronym is COMAS, as we said before, C-O-M-A-S, and the S is for selective abstraction. 
Selective abstraction is the tendency to pick out an adverse event and overlook other positive events that support a more optimistic view of looking at the situation. So in Elijah's situation, he overlooked the fact that God had protected him for years. He overlooked the fact that God had provided for him miraculously while he was in hiding. He overlooked the fact that he had a miraculous victory over the prophets. And he he selected the threat of Jezebel as the thing to focus on and be worried about. So be careful that you're not guilty of selective abstraction. Think of all the other positive things that have happened in your life that can give you hope. And so there you have the five things. Let me talk a little bit now about how to beat these thoughts. And I'm going to give quickly six things that you can do to beat any of these five thoughts, that the five ways of thinking that I have given so far. And so the first step to beating uh, these thoughts and to have victory over anxiety is to identify your negative thought patterns. Which of these five thought patterns have you been guilty of? identify, listen to the podcast again and identify which of it those you're guilty of. Once you've identified that, the next step that we do as cognitive behavior therapists is to have you explore the evidence that justify the negative way that you're thinking. So if you think your boss is going to fire you, for example, think about whether or not you're doing a good job. Did you get a bad evaluation? Or, or was my last evaluation good? Has something happened? And if there, and, and weigh those evidence to see if it makes sense to worry the way that you're worrying. And then the next step of the explored evidence that supports a negative thought is to explore the evidence against that thought. So maybe there are things that you're overlooking that could help you to see that you have no reason to worry. Maybe you had a good evaluation and maybe your boss is, is very proud of the work that you have done and have told you so verbally. And in a situation where you're tempted to be jealous just because your partner is talking to someone attractive, think as to whether or not you have a partner that has been unfaithful or a partner that has given you no reason to suspect that he's going to be unfaithful. So this is not just positive thinking. This is rational thinking because if you assess your situation and you said, my partner has always been faithful, there's no reason for me to think that way, then your thoughts are irrational. But if when you think about it, you realize your partner have cheated on you three times before, then that's a different situation. So evaluate the evidence to see if the way that you're thinking is rational or not. And if you, if when you evaluate the situation, you realize that there is no justifiable reason to have this negative thought, the next thing to do is to come up with a more balanced way of thinking about the situation. So a more balanced way for Elijah, for example, when he started running for his life, he could think, wait a minute here, God has been protecting me from Jezebel for years. So just because she threatens me doesn't mean that God has taken away his protection. So therefore, I have no reason to worry. And so in addition to coming up with a more balanced thought, the next step is to Replace the negative thought with the balanced thought every time that it enters your mind. And do this repeatedly. And then the final step is to act in ways that support your balanced 
thought. So Elijah, for example, a positive way of acting would be, instead of being in hiding from Jezebel, was for him to start to continue in his ministry because he has been operating under the protection of God for years and Jezebel was never able to find him. So the secret of, so there you have these six steps that I have given and the secret of success in these six steps is to, is to, is repetition. Repeat, repeat, repeat. So we have quickly come to the end of today's show and I want to remind you that we are a not-for-profit organization. If you like this podcast, then please consider donating to us to support this ministry and the continued uh, production of these podcasts and for us to continue to provide subsidy for those in need. You can reach us at elimcounselingministry.com elim is spelled E-L-I-M counseling with two L's ministry.com and remember you can also find these podcasts on our YouTube channel so I just want to thank you for listening to this podcast and pray that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart Music